following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here at iTalk.net. And you're also joining us on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77 as we broadcast live from the Phil Giannetti Motor Studio, high atop High Street, Brownsville, Pennsylvania. If you're looking for a quality pre-owned vehicle, give Chip a call. The number is 724-785-6800. Well, tonight we have a special guest. For I don't know how many years, when I used to do the program on another network and all that other stuff years ago, I guess that was around 2006 to around 2012, I tried to get this guy on the air. He wouldn't do it. However, tonight he's agreed to do it. He also did my old liners for the program, and once you hear his voice, you'll recognize him. But before I get started with him, I want to read the bio that he sent me last week. My guest is a native of... Mondova or Mondavia, who has uh, mastered the English language by the time he was 30, overcoming a severe speech impediment that included saying the words caboose in every sentence. He embarked on a career in radio broadcasting because he was told if you want to be on radio, you must have a speech impediment or once had a speech impediment. And he would like to thank his mommy and daddy and, of course, Jesus for qualifying as a guest. On this show, on the phone line right now, I have Warren Schroger. Warren, how are you doing this evening? Well, good. You're online. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I just understand that this is an hour-long show. An hour? An hour. Hard to believe, really? huh? Yes. I got 3% on my phone here. Come <laughs> oh, on. Now you realize that. I'll have to plug in. Well, there, there are certain things you have to do for art, I guess. And not that I'm saying this is art, but there are certain things you have to do. Oh, really? An hour? Oh, <laughs> man. It's past my bedtime. I, You know what? A lot of guys like you, I've talked to uh, Chris Lash, Chauncey Rods, Clark Ingram, and all these people say it's past their bedtime. It's like, wait a minute, guys. You're all retired. You should still be yes. up. No, no, no. When you uh, live in Florida and you're past uh, retirement age, well past, as I am, okay, uh, that's part of life here, <laughs> as well as going to the early bird specials. At 4 o'clock, right? Or is it at 2? I don't know. If, yeah, uh, 5 to uh, 6 or whatever they are. Yeah, <laughs> early birds. <laughs> so, Warren, when we get as we get started, can you give me a, give my audience a, a little bit of background of where you've worked prior to what you're doing now, which is being retired. Oh God! Just give me the thumbnail you know, sketch because I know you told now, me your memory's not as good as it used to be. Yes, well, that's true on all counts, including where I was, at what station, and when, especially in Pittsburgh. I kind of lost, I know where I was, but I'm, I'm not quite sure of the sequence okay. or the years, the dates. But uh, uh, it kind of goes back 55 years. Wow. And when I got, stuck my 
toe in the door at a radio station, there was a um, the community in uh, uh, where I live, Greenberg, New York, uh, down in Westchester County, uh, had a, uh, a program uh, that involved uh, uh, learning about radio okay. at the local radio station. And this has got to be 1963 or 64, somewhere around there. I was a teen- teenager in, in uh, school. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I was a fan of listening to the radio, that was for sure. Uh, much preferred that over watching black and white television. And especially AM radio, which was the dominant force in the day. Um, so I was a fan of radio, but not really thinking that I uh, had any interest in it until I I took this uh, part in this program. There might have been uh, uh, oh maybe ten of us, a uh, couple of girls and rest guys. Uh, most of us cut out of the same geeky cloth. <laughs> And we learned uh, we learned uh, some things about the radio business, uh, writing copy and reading it and recording ourselves in front uh, on reel to reel tape and in front of a professional microphone. And we got to operate the equipment as well, which I really enjoyed. In fact, I do have uh, there's a newspaper article on it and there's a picture of me. And one of the other participants uh, posing at what today looks like prehistoric equipment, <laughs> and was kind—it was kind of prehistoric back then too. It wasn't the latest stuff, right? Um, so anyway, uh, I, I do remember that and uh, quite vividly. And I remember the gentleman who was the news director there, uh, a, name, uh, a fellow by the name of John. Yachts, uh, who is still around, he's quite elderly, but uh, I uh, have communicated with him by an email in, in recent history, and he does remember me from those days, and he kind of uh, got me going, and I caught the bug, as uh, we say, and um, stuck with it, and I pestered the people there at that station, which uh, the callers or WFAS, uh, despite the letters, they do not stand for Francis Albert Sinatra. Okay. And uh, unfortunately today, that station, which is uh, in its last iteration, is a standalone AM station. The FM was sold off. Um, is, is almost non-existent. Uh, there's some kind of computer running it and some kind of sports uh, satellite feed uh, on the air, and it's almost non-existent. Okay. And like so many uh, ill-fated AM radio stations these days, the property where the tower and the studio once was located, the tower is still there and the building is still there, is extremely valuable. The, it's about seven acres and it's worth far more than the value of that license, which is practically zero. Really? So, uh, yeah, the uh, uh, it was uh, owned by Cumulus. I could be wrong on that. I, I knew uh, some major uh, 
conglomerate had owned it in recent years, and I believe it was Cumulus. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it is. Anyway, anyway, it's kind of sad to uh, learn of that. That's where everything started, and it was a very high, highly polished, very locally focused, and very popular AM local AM radio station on twelve thirty. You know, a thousand watt day and two fifty night, uh, but it had a substantial local audience, and it was a, uh, a known entity. Uh, today, those things kind of uh, don't exist anymore in the AM band, as we know, but we're not going to dwell on that. <laughs> uh, so that's where it started, so, and uh, well, then I go off to college, and I get involved with the college radio station right away, and um, that's a blur. <laughs> that whole the, my whole college years now it's not because I was partaking in anything that was illegal right but because I just can't remember and I think uh, you know even even 20 or 30 years ago I, I couldn't remember college so, years so question for um, you is of that first I, that first group that you were a part of is anybody else working in radio or are you the only one What? For, oh, oh, the um, the training recreation group. group. Yeah. Uh, the, the, right. Um, geez, I, I, <laughs> if they're not deceased, no, I, I, I don't think so. That's kind of interesting um, that you've gone this known, far from that. I would have known. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, we all went. Our, we were from different schools. Okay. And we all went our separate ways, and I was the only one that stayed and. Uh, hung out and befriended the uh, radio people there and okay. idolized them. Right. And uh, so I, I really should back up. Um, I, my, I got a job there. And I was, <laughs> so many of us of that generation, uh, assigned to running the public affairs programs and other uh, pre-recorded programs on Sunday mornings and then Sunday nights from 6 a.m. to 12 noon right. or sign-on, whenever that occurred. Um, I think they went off. Mm, uh, they, they might have stayed on all night. I, I, I don't remember. I, it, it, it was licensed to. I, uh, maybe they signed off for maintenance from time to time. Um, and so we ran these uh, long-form programs, um, and of course the live church service uh, at uh, 11 a.m. But before that, ran things like the uh, the Air Force uh, the, uh, the serenade in blue, with, provided by the Air Force, 15 or 30-minute program, right. and other long-form public service or, uh, or I don't know if they were public service, but entertainment programs from outside sources. So nothing was live. But I got to do the station ID, put it on uh, cart. They had just um, gotten cart machines the year before. Um, And it was new technology for the station. Uh, Prior to that, they had uh, the entire day's uh, uh, commercials on giant reel-to-reels spliced in the sequence they were to appear on the air. Okay. 
And it sounds like it couldn't possibly work, but it did. So uh, uh, I, on part, I put my voice doing the ID, and that was the first time I got on the air, and I was thrilled. I practiced it and over and over and again, tried different inflections. Right. I recorded it myself in the production studio, you know, with the tape rolling. <laughs> and there it was. I, I can still hear it in my ears. Anyway, that was the uh, my first job in radio. Uh, and then I got assigned to do remotes, engineer remotes. And they did a lot of them. Uh, sports, uh, local sports, and there was a, actually a music remote from a local uh, restaurant that had uh, um, musical entertainment. Oh, interesting. At night, yeah, with 250 watts. <laughs> so uh, I, I did that, and uh, then uh, somebody, it was New Year's Eve um, in 1965 into 66 that okay. I was allowed to go on the air and do a show. Okay. From midnight to six, because nobody wanted to work. They all wanted to be out celebrating 1966. And I, I air-checked that on reel-to-reel, -reel, or at least a couple of reels worth. Right. And those tapes, along with, uh, I think I used Shamrock tape, tape that, probably would not have lasted very long. And uh, those tapes were among others that were stolen when I lived in the dormitory in, in Boston in college. Why would anybody along steal the, them? <laughs> well, they took the tape recorder, too. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And, <laughs> and the, tapes, the tapes were in... Um, uh, like a milk crate. Okay. And so they just took the whole thing. Yeah. It, you know, it was another guy in the dorm and stashed it somewhere and we, don't, we never found out. And in those days, uh, petty theft like that was was laughed at. Right. Now was, you yeah. look at somebody wrong or breathe on somebody too hard and you uh, are in trouble. You're right. You're right. But, um, yeah. So I, I don't know if those tapes would have lasted <laughs> all these years, especially since, like I said, it was on Shamrock. You remember that was the uh, the cheap tape you could get at uh, Lafayette Electronics or maybe Radio Shack. Right. A lot of people so don't I remember. Do not have any of Shack. A lot of people don't remember what reel-to-reel -reel tape is at all. That's an age itself. <laughs> I mean. Lucky for me, my dad showed me what they were. I actually have still have three real to real machines in my basement. Unfortunately, I don't use them. But uh, that's that's something they're trying to explain to a new generation that yes, we played everything on these big open face reels, and they were on tape because now everything is so digital and so portable. It's just amazing how far we've come. And like you said, in fifty plus years. Well, the uh, tape served well right through the 70s and into the 80s. And, uh, I, uh, and I also recall my first time playing a CD on the air was in... Uh, I worked at Wish in Lowell when it was soft rock. Okay. Um, I barely remember that. It was soft rock after it, I believe it, it used to... 
have beautiful music or easy listening. Right. And then I became soft rock. And I worked on weekends. I was a part-timer there. And, uh, oh, I'm talking, see, I forget, you're you're in the Pittsburgh area, and I'm talking about the Boston area. Okay. Because uh, that's where I spent the early part of my career. And uh, wish the wish in suburban Boston uh, was the first time I encountered playing CDs on the air. We actually played the... CD off of the album. They weren't specially made for the radio station. So anyway, okay. that that I do recall. Well, well, I don't recall much about the station other than that they rationed paper towels. <laughs> I, you know, and since I worked on the weekends, there would be the, the paper towel dispenser in the bathroom was always emptier on the, the last couple of sheets. And I asked about this. I said, they, they, where do they keep the paper towel? Oh, no, they, they ration a certain number of rolls per week. <laughs> and unfortunately, on the weekend, they run out. They At least they didn't ration the toilet paper. Well, that's, well <laughs> hey, they may have gotten to that point, but you never had to but, find out, right? Oh, that's but funny. That's, you think if you go into um, you know, IBM headquarters and... On the weekend, and uh, there's no paper towels uh, in the bathroom with the white, you know, towels to uh, dry your hands. Right. Uh, it was there. Oh, uh, we ration them. <laughs> <laughs> so really, well, that will give you a, a little perspective on, uh, as you very well know, uh, how a lot of radio stations operated and how they cut costs. Yes with stuff like that, nonsense like that. So know. where did you go to college at? I went to Emerson College in Boston, which uh, has quite a reputation for uh, its um, theatrical arts okay. and uh, broadcasting and mass communication. And uh, many, many people in the entertainment business and TV, radio, Broadway, movies, in front of the camera or in front of the microphone or behind the scenes have come through that college. Uh, uh, comedians, a whole wave of comedians have come through there. Jay Leno, perhaps the best known, and uh, uh, Stephen Wright, I think, is, okay. went through there, and of course, Henry, Henry Winkler. So, uh, and, and many, many others. I mean, it just uh, turned out people who were, who were geared to be in uh, TV or radio and in theater or uh, Hollywood of some, some capacity. And uh, like I said, I, I know I went there. I have a diploma. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a picture of me in my cap and gown. But you don't and remember I do it. I remember that David Frost was our, uh, was our commencement speaker. Uh, but I don't really remember uh, taking any courses there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's like I, I dream of that, that I, I uh, so many of us do, right. um, that we show up for the final exam and never took the course. And there's a lot of us that did That's that, too. Like, yeah. Uh, so I... I, I yeah, go ahead. So, what was your first job out of college then? Well, I was still in college. I uh, worked 
as a board op at WRKO uh, in Boston when it was um, became a, a rock top 40 station. Okay. And they had uh, a deal where, you know, the uh, union uh, did not allow the uh, IBEW did not allow the uh, after members to operate certain equipment. And they could, in this case, they could only operate the microphone switch. Okay. And everything else had to be done by an IBEW technician. So you couldn't and adjust your own audio then? There, there was a guy in another well, room adjusting no, it? The, the, no, the board op in this operation was an IBEW member. Okay. He had to join IBEW. And uh, we operated everything technical except the, the button that turned on the announcer's mic. He could control that. Oh, okay. Uh, the, uh, we ran the levels and mm -hmm. we set the levels and ran the... Uh, everything was on cart, the uh, uh, tape cartridge, uh, all the music and the commercials. Right. And uh, the news cuts and you know, everything. The announcers were live. Okay. And it was a major station, WRKO, uh, a music station uh, at that time, um, maybe number two in the market behind WBZ, and had a number of top names in the business. So, so that, uh, that really w was the first job, um, yes, in Boston. Okay. I'm pretty sure of that, yeah, yeah. I did work at the college radio station where I played classical music because I liked classical music. I could pronounce the names of the composers and the artists quite well, even as a teenager, since I enjoyed that, that type of music. Uh -huh. And uh, I was the weekly host of a program called Baroque Festival, which featured music of the Baroque period. Okay. And we played scratchy old mono records <laughs> on <laughs> FM radio. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that must have sounded interesting. But again, in those days, who would know the difference, right? Right. It was, you know, you know remember that not all FM was stereo. Um, it was starting to catch on, and there were some st FM stations that... Uh, Part of the day, they were in stereo and mono uh, the other part of the day. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if they mixed them up, but, but uh, they would do, uh, it, it may have something to do with what music was in their library, that was uh, what records were okay. actually stereo records, especially classical stations. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was kind of prehistoric then that the equipment there was quite ancient, was probably out of the 40s. And certainly the, the 50s, when I was there in the 60s. Wow. There was, uh, there's a microphone, a microphone that I have in my house today, um, one of my vintage microphones, is the same one, not the, not the same uh, unit, but the same model, right. uh, the one that we used in, uh, at uh, the Emerson College Station uh, back in the uh, mid-60s. And uh, that was a, uh, a Velocity Junior 74B uh, RCA microphone. 
Wow. So when well, that did you, was out of the 40s. And, and you're using that equipment. It still works at the time, which is amazing. But again, that stuff was built to last. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. No, <laughs> uh, no plastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the ribbon was the only uh, delicate part, and maybe uh, ribbons had to be replaced in those uh, those kind of microphones. Yeah, you actually probably could have used that microphone uh, right. as a weapon if you wanted to. Um, it was probably heavy enough. Yes, uh, I have I have one uh, on display here along with an old button microphone that I have uh, proudly displayed in my home here in Florida. I'll be darned. So when did you come to Pittsburgh? Oh, so we jump now <laughs> 20 years, <laughs> um, 1992. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 92. And uh, in between. Between what, uh, 20 years in Boston and six years in Hartford and Providence, and I did a little contract work in D.C., uh, uh, just temporary work uh, at a station there uh, doing a special project, and... Uh, yeah, that uh, yeah, Pittsburgh was 1992, and I was coming from Hartford. I had been the PD in Hartford at a AM/FM, and it was very successful. In fact, guys that I hired are still there. Oh wow! Thirty years later. Yeah, that's impressive. So I I made the right choices. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of them have all actually retired. Uh, and uh, the morning guy is still there, and I had—I remember working on him for at least a year to get him just to, wow. to um, sign up with us. Uh, it was going to take less money, but I told him, you have a big future here. Boy, did he. Yeah. So he's number one in the Hartford market now um, and has been for a long time. Very proud of uh, Alan Camp. That's impressive. He's major major guy there uh thanks to me <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, you, i don't know if it would have happened sure right? he, he has me to thank yeah. and so <laughs> i don't it, ask him to do that every day well you, well you should i mean <laughs> or or send you a residual check one of the two um uh, he uh, i'm sure he uh, uh and we're in touch from time to time okay um yeah, so I, I had left Hartford. Uh, I um, was reassigned, actually. Uh, I was PD, but the new general manager wanted his boy. You know that. Huh? Yes, you know I know about that. that. The general managers who bring his boy with him. And so I was uh, reassigned uh, on the air. Okay. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be on the air oh, every day. Okay. I, I was tired of that. Okay. And um, my wife said, uh, how about if if I get a job in Pittsburgh, because that's where she was from, uh, will you go? I mean, will you quit? And I said, sure. So it took about a year or less for her to do that and got her a uh, very uh, respectable medical sales job in Pittsburgh, and off we went. I'll be darned. And um, uh, numerous people had warned me that uh, Pittsburgh is going to be a step down from Hartford. 
Right. Even though it was a step up in market size. Right. And sure, it was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very respectable town, but um, uh, the, the, if you weren't a star on the radio there already, or you know, a morning guy, or you know, some established person, you weren't going to get uh, treated very well. Right. So um, I, I, I did set up um, uh, some appointments uh, for uh, interviews. Uh, the first job I got, which anybody could get, was uh, Metro Traffic, and I did Metro Traffic. I see. Here's where I start. Uh, forgetting when I, I'm pretty sure it was pretty quick, uh, quickly after I arrived there, 1992, 93, right? Probably started doing Metro Traffic, which was you know the traffic reporting service for numerous stations. Yes, and they had two airplanes. Remember those? They used to traffic surveillance airplanes, and. Uh, 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 and a studio facility that was over in Allegheny Town Center, Allegheny Center on the North Shore. It's on the shore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where there used to be a Sears. Yes. Long ago. Yes, it was, I, I know exactly uh, where it was at. It. Yes. Um, one of the stations I work for actually uh, received the service from Metro, and our... Uh, the only person I ever talked to Metro was Carol Finelli, is the, the Metro person I dealt with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, Carol ha- hired me. <laughs> a fun lady, I'll tell you. And uh, uh, she was, you know, if anyone was a, an expert at traffic reporting and gathering it, it was her. Really? Man. She was, you had to be aggressive with, uh, you know, working on your reporter's uh, getting the uh, your your contacts out in the field, getting the information. Uh, there were no cameras. I was just going to say. Now it's easy. There's cameras. Yeah, I was going to say you actually had to get the word of mouth about what was going on. There yes. was just there was no computers. Right. There was no cameras. There were nothing like that. It was right. You got the information from. Uh, there were these. Um, ad hoc uh, reporters on the ground, uh, limo guys and taxi drivers and other commuters who called in when they were driving in and gave a, a report, you know, or not on the air, or you know, not right. to be recorded, but just information. And then you had to make the rounds of the uh, state police. And, and then you got the reports from the uh, uh, traffic surveillance aircraft, which I... Uh, did on a regular basis. I usually did the big circuit uh, that went uh, down along the highway, down uh, <laughs> down to seventy. Okay. Uh, and up the, the turnpike, and then back on three seventy six, the Parkway East, and then down. Uh, what was that? Uh, <laughs> forgetting the name of the U.S. southbound there that goes down to Washington. Oh, seventy nine. Uh, 79. Yeah. Yeah. It did that loop. And then there was an inner city, uh, a shorter loop, uh, the other airplane, uh, it, it just around the city. And you would bump along at 2,000 feet for two hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Cooped up. And sometime, one day we hit a bird. We had to make an emergency <laughs> landing. Uh, then the, the, the uh, 
Yeah, the bird hit the wing and put a dent in the wing. It didn't do anything in the leading edge of the wing. Right. The high wing Cessna 172. Um, and um, uh, uh, we also had to get out of weather quickly, you know, hightail it back to uh, Allegheny County Airport. Right. So that was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, I did my principal station and we all did multiple stations and I had to use different names on different stations and I couldn't keep track of who I was on what station <laughs> and, but my principal station was B94 oh really okay and that was when when John Klein and Banana Don were the hosts and uh, they were something special right uh, it was a fun morning show mm-hmm on B-94, and they were entertaining, and I I participated in their hijinks uh, doing uh, so-called comedy skits. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes I I wouldn't warn them. I got in trouble once, and I got called on the carpet. They told me to come in, the manager of B-94, wanted to talk to me about something I said. There was this god-awful commercial for a local college. Okay. And it was as amateurs could do better than this whoever was doing the commercial. It, it, it was below amateur level. Okay. And I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said something... Yeah, really? Would I? Would you want to go to a school after hearing a commercial like that? And oh boy, <laughs> I uh, I was not suspended, but I I got an earful. I'm sure you did. I forgot, you know, because I, I you know I'm I'm in the studio elsewhere, not with those guys in uh, up on Mount Washington, right? So. You know, I kind of was, you know, I didn't think I was really on the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> until until I started doing the traffic. But I, I wasn't. No, I knew I was on the air. Right. They, they, I could hear it. So do you but, know, um, remember what college like you insulted? Was, uh, say again? Do you remember what college you insulted? Yes, absolutely. Which college was it? Oh, Seton Hill. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So, in other words, they didn't have a big advertising budget at the time. I don't. I wish I had an air check of that. I do have air checks of some of my uh, moments. Okay. <laughs> where, where I'm flubbing through a, a traffic report and the guy's breaking. I, it, it's it's a, a side of me that never was heard on beautiful music stations prior to that. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> the, the wacky Warren. The wacky and, Warren. Uh, I like that. Of that. So after yes. you worked after you worked for Metro, where'd you go to that where'd you go from there? Oh, see this is where I'm, it's going to be um, a little hazy. That's okay. I, I have pe- I have people listening and if they and if you're wrong, they'll call and tell me. Well, I won't be wrong, but the sequence may be off. Okay. I know I was working at WQED. Okay. FM. 
uh, during metro traffic. Okay. So I was working uh, metro traffic in the morning, and then going to QED in the midday. I was music director. I was I ran the music scheduler, and uh, I did the um, short form uh, uh, promotional announcements. Okay. And here was a commercial radio guy now in the world of not only classical music but in uh, non-commercial radio. Right. Where there's a different mindset. And here I start doing this um, much more aggressive form of production for their short-form announcements. Okay. uh, Third station promos and such. And um, I I started introducing... uh, Music beds and, and and sound effects and clips from um, oh uh, movies that may have mentioned uh, the name of a composer like okay. Woody Allen uh, in one of his movies said uh, uh, something about oh I love Bartok okay <laughs> so I I was I was doing that that was a that was something totally foreign to these people. Because they didn't do that. Um, it was kind of like beautiful music used to be. Okay, I got anyway, you. Anyway, uh, that, you know, that, did, that did not endear me to anybody, but I, uh, I spent a long time there um, involved with uh, production, prim- primarily behind the scenes, okay. and a, uh, on the air occasionally, not full-time, but occasionally, and I kind of liked it. I enjoyed it. And uh, then um, I worked at, it was Soft Rock W, 92.7 or 92.9, um, uh, WL something. Oh, um, it was known as the Light FM, uh, WLTJ. Light FM, LTJ, yeah. yes. I was, <laughs> I did Saturday nights, and I think I did Sunday nights too, Saturday nights and Sunday nights. I did uh, the love sh- love songs requests, <laughs> and I I called myself the Love Meister. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever was the PD, you know, he went along with it. Right. You know, Saturday night wasn't uh, any big shakes or any time right. of night. And I and I took I people would call in the, for the. Same songs every week, right? And uh, I'd put them on tape, and then talk into the tape and play the request, and uh, that was uh, up until midnight. And then a board op came in. I'll tell you, uh, again, few highlights or few memories really stick in my mind. But one night, um, the, the, the PD says a new board op is coming in. Uh, and said uh, her name is such and such. So I the bell rings at quarter of midnight, and I go out and answer the door, and there's this hot young lady in an uh, uh, you know party dress. Okay. Low cut, and I'm thinking, yes, can I help you? <laughs> uh, and she says, I'm. 
uh, I can't remember her name now. I'll, I'll remember it later, but uh, I'm so-and-so. I'm the board op. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm picturing Bill Alexander coming in the door. <laughs> not just... <laughs> That's always and, a nice surprise when I, it happens. So, so she sweeps by me, and I turn around and look, and, and you know her <laughs> is swinging, and <laughs> off she goes into the studio, uh, low cut and all, and I'm totally flustered. Right, of course. You Absolutely, would be. totally flustered. So I'm doing the last break at about 10 minutes before midnight, and the handoff to... Uh, automation. Right. And she's leaning over on purpose uh, within my line of vision. Okay. <laughs> and not saying anything, but I'm on you know, live. And for the for a few listeners, I don't know what they heard. They probably heard my heavy breathing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, was, I was totally... I don't think I ever was as flummoxed on the air as I was at that moment, because it was totally by surprise. If I knew it was, uh, you know, they said, oh, she might be dressed a little uh, skimpily or something, right. uh, be prepared. If I was prepared, uh, I would have uh, not been so shook. Prepared but, yourself, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's I, awesome. I, and I did have a conversation with her afterwards, and she was a radio wannabe. Okay. And I, I now I remember her name, and I really don't want to talk with her. She, she, she is a much older lady now. Oh, come on. And, uh, but I remember her name, and she was actually, I heard her years later on... Um, Using a, a, a different name, and her real name, okay, is Kim Lawrence. That was her real name. Okay. And Kim used another name at a uh, country's at the Y108. Okay. I heard her doing Y108. She wasn't that good, but she was competent enough. Okay. And... Um, uh, some <laughs> I bet your trap uh, trapper would <laughs> would know her because of uh, uh, the pirates and uh, right. she was a, uh, a waitress <laughs> over there at the the club. So anyway, uh, and she's very pretty, very shapely lady, and shook me, shook the you know this old guy <laughs> you know, at the end of his career doing love songs. Uh. <laughs> So that, yeah, that that was uh, yeah. It, it, maybe I had to be there, but totally. I was expecting the guy with the shirt out and right. you know, carrying a Burger King brown bag and uh, a, a bottle of Mountain Dew to make it through the night. Yeah, and I think yeah. the other guy who did that was one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. And then um, uh, so LTJ. And there was another one. Oh, smooth jazz. Yeah, I kind of like the smooth jazz that came along. And when was when did that JJJ oh, come uh, around? Do you remember what year? That no, I don't. That's JJJ was oh, I want to say that was mid nineties. Well, it was. It had to be. It would. It would have been ninety. Ninety five. Ninety five. Ninety six. Somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. 
Um, uh, they, they um, it was at one hundred four point seven. Smooth jazz. They were had been doing it for about a year. And again, and the guy uh, it was Carl Anderson. I don't know if you know Carl. I know Carl. I went. To, I went to college TV with. Then. I went to college with Carl. A very nice guy. Very soft spoken. Easy-going guy, yeah, as I recall. He worked. He uh, uh, and was recently working at iHeartRadio. He was working in their corporate offices in Texas. Oh wow! Yeah, because so he's still going at it. I I think if he if he is still at it, he's either getting ready to retire or he just retired. But Carl and I, um, Carl and I went to college together. He's a graduate of California University of Pennsylvania, which is where I came out of. Well, small world again. Not, you know, nice, we nice keep guy. finding the, the radio world yeah. is kind of small, especially if you're hanging around right. uh, like, like Pittsburgh, yeah. where people tend to hang out a long time. Uh, and so Carl hired me to uh, be a fill-in and do uh, some weekend work. And I kind of liked the smooth jazz format. It was very reminiscent uh, of... A beautiful music, uh, you know, and you went through the formatics, uh, and again, like, and also soft rock, which I did, um, and uh, just uh, assist the music, uh, blend in, and uh, keep the smooth jazz tunes going. Yeah, and that um, uh, that was down uh, uh, that uh, Fort Duquesne. Uh, that tall uh, residential and office building down there uh, next to KDKA. They were in that building and then moved. Uh, when I was working there, uh, we, we moved over to uh, when the station was sold. In fact, it changed hands with three times in a month. Wow. Um, and Yeah, there was a deal there that uh, I would, somebody would have to straighten it out because I can't remember. I think Sconix was involved. Somebody had it for a week and then spun it off. And it wound up, you know, three different ownerships in a short period of time. It was just a, you know, administrative thing. Of course, nothing happened uh, audibly or visually uh, at the radio station. But they did move it from uh, Fort Duquesne Boulevard over to... uh, Again, back over in that building where Sears used to be on the North Shore. That's where they put the, the group station. I remember, um, oh, the, uh, the oldies station was at 3WS. Right. And Bumper Morgan. Bumper Morgan was on there. I'd go in and have a chat with him while I was on the smooth jazz. I remember him. And there, was a, there were a couple of other stations in there. Um it was very weird to have four radio stations in the same building. Uh, yeah, I, that was something I hadn't done in my previous radio career. Yeah, uh, it was a radio station or an AM and FM, uh, but uh, four stations. Now there's four, there's three, six right here with near where I could walk to the. Um, uh, iHeart facility here, and there's six stations in yep. there. And on the weekend, you'll see one car in the parking lot. <laughs> and there's one guy running six stations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, six stations, one car in the parking lot. 
Um, what does that tell you? Uh, t- tells me I don't like where radio's gone. Um, Carl actually retired from left radio in 2015, but he was working, uh, just to give you a heads up, he was working as executive vice president of programming for Midwest regional markets for iHeartRadio. Well, uh, he was a good guy. Yeah. He did get uh, sucked into the iHeart world, but, uh, you know, good guys can, I guess, right. if you want to keep feeding your family. Yeah, well... Um, and so I did the, the smooth jazz. And oh, so I called Carl <laughs> uh, one day and told him I can't do this anymore. I have a life, right, <laughs> or whatever it was. And uh, he said, "Okay, uh, you know, it, it was like Memorial Day weekend of that whatever year, '97 or something." And he said, "Okay, no problem. I got it covered." The next day, or the, the day after I did my last smooth jazz air shift on that station, right. they changed format. Oh, really? And Carl, Carl knew it was coming, uh, but nobody knew it. I didn't know it. I right. didn't know. Because what they did was they took the programming from a station, another uh, station uh, in another market. Uh, they didn't have anything, any signs of any change in the uh, physical radio station. So it was at noon the next day, they became jams. Oh, okay. And they took a signal from another station I in their that. group. I remember that. I remember that. And I, you know, Carl <laughs> knew it was coming, so, okay, well, we're not going to need you anyway. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you, you got out just at the right time. So Right. How fortuitous. <laughs> they don't have to say, uh, sorry, we uh, can't let you do jams. Right, yeah. And I would say, well... That would have been a torture for me. <laughs> so you 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 were talking about doing this for an hour. We've gone fifty minutes so far, so we're almost there. I just wanted to let oh. you know. I just wanted to let oh, you know. Oh God, uh, got to stop talking. Well, that's it. Uh, got to talk about jib on the web. That's what I was just about to bring up. Oh God, it'll take another hour to talk about that. <laughs> well, we can always have you on again. That's not a problem. Yeah, well, Jib on the way. Yeah, I, I didn't. I was. I don't have a clock in here, and yeah, it is. I have a clock on GMT, and it's seven minutes before three GMT. Right. <laughs> At least when we're recording this. Yes. So well, the Jib on the web is a um, Jib on the web dot com. Okay, is where you can go and learn about it and also listen and see the titles and artists of all the songs uh, is a recreation of the station I worked at for all those years in Boston, which we didn't mention. We kind of skipped over that uh, WJIB FM and it was one of the top beautiful music radio stations in the country uh, for many years in the 70s and into the 80s okay um and was uh, uh one of the top billing stations as well which um uh, for for a beautiful music station if not the top 
Uh, it may sound like peanuts today, but they uh, were billing over a million dollars in the early 1970s. Like wow. 71, 72. And that was a lot yeah. for uh, a beautiful music radio station or any FM station. Um, I worked there for many years, uh, 13 years, in two different uh, terms. I came back and did, in the 80s, uh, actually part-time. And um, then I worked at uh, Syndicator. One of the major syndicators was uh, Shoki Radio Productions, which was supplying the music uh, for beautiful music stations all over the country and mostly major markets. They were pricey. Uh, product and uh, really only the major market stations could afford their monthly fee. Other uh, players that did respectable jobs uh, charged less and made it available, that format available to uh, uh, medium and small market stations. And so uh, I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story, and now i got to make it short. I, uh, we had a 50th reunion of the uh, sign-on of the station back in 2017. Okay. It signed on in 1967. And um, I had asked some of the guys who were there uh, if they were interested in starting a Internet radio station. I, I got a lot of glazed-over looks, and they thought I was being silly. Right. And I said, well, you know, maybe I'll do it anyway. You know, I'll, I'll let you know. Right. So a couple of months later, uh, I just decided to, after waiting a couple of years for somebody else to do it, <laughs> uh, on, you know, somebody else from somewhere else doing beautiful music the right way. Right. Um, and there is a right way, and there are plenty of wrong ways to do it. Um, it I took up the reins and uh, started building a library, which now is about 9,000 tracks from zero. Okay. Um, this was now, we're about a year and a half into it. A year and a half. And... Uh, why I say the right way, beautiful music, because it was something that, a format that was tampered with constantly and tinkered with by stations that didn't know what they were doing, by programmers who didn't know what they were doing. And um, it was one of the reasons that uh, led to its eventual demise. And not a primary reason, but one of the many reasons. And... Uh, now, today, on the Internet, there's all kinds of uh, music available, including many shades of beautiful music. Right. And they kind of don't get it right because the people who are operating these stations weren't there. So they don't have the uh, they don't know what was going on 50 years ago and 40 years ago in beautiful music. They only kind of have a. Um, a kind of an inkling, you know, well, it sounds right, so uh, let's, let's uh, do, do it. it this way. So uh, question but, for you uh, is, since you've, Jib on the Web's been on, on the Internet for how long now? Year and a half. Year and a half. 
Uh, no, no, not that. I'm sorry. A year and a half since inception. Okay. And uh, started, uh, you know, a year and uh, change. Uh, okay. Since so, March of 2018. So how 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 is your listenership with the station? Well, it's, um, as you may know, that the uh, that numbers of listeners really don't count in the world of Internet. It's how long or how many total hours they are listening. Right. And, right, that's how the, that's how it works. It's not by volume. Of course, your total hours may come along, but in the case here of Jib on the Web, small audience, a very, it's a niche, right? It, it used to be a mass appeal uh, back when it was on FM radio in the 70s. It was a mass appeal format. Now it's a niche format like jazz or smooth jazz would be, right? you know, some uh, classical music is a niche. Um, it, the time spent listening or the total hours is quite high with a small number of listeners. And they're a diehard, too. They, 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 I see their connections on for days at a time, continuous, days at a time. I think the longest stretch before there was some interruption in the uh, transmission, in the stream, uh, I know I saw 14 days. Oh, wow. On one particular, on continuously. Right. In other words, they're leaving whatever device they have on all the time, maybe you know, for the dogs to listen to background music. You know, yeah, it's constantly going. Yeah, or you know, or they're not. You know, it's off, but it's not disconnected. Right. So uh, that you know, and that repeated over and over again really piles up the total listener hours. And uh, I checked, and I really have no way to compare this to any because I don't know anybody else's. Um, in the last month, I saw 18,000 and change total listening hours in the most recent 30 days. Oh, wow. That sounds good. And that's been growing. That's been going constantly higher. The day-to-day numbers go up and down, you know, as, you know weekends or different times a day. You know, they fluctuate. The, you know, the average quarter hour moves around, but the total listening hours is constantly rising That's as new people join in or they listen longer. Well, Warren, it's hard to believe we've done an hour, and I'm going to have to have you back on the program again so we can talk about the history of beautiful music and the history of uh, Jib on the Web. Would you be oh. willing to do that? That's what I was... <laughs> yes, that's what I was planning to do and keep my background to three minutes <laughs> well we that's went what i thought i could remember we went longer than that so but not a problem warren i appreciate it thank you very much and uh, we'll have you back on real soon to talk about jib on the web sure i'm going to bed <laughs> good night adios <laughs> warren schroger here online with yours truly bill alexander boy time flies when you're having fun it really does as we uh Get ready to wrap up a hootenanny as you hear the music in the background. We'll talk to you next time. Here online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and Fayette TV Channel 77 brought to you by Phil Eddie Motors. Give Chip a call at 724-785-6800. Guys, I am out of here, and you have a great night, and we'll talk to you next time. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. <laughs>